Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. My name is Daniel Michael, and I do believe... If I'm not mistaken, the Susan Weed is off this week. So what I'm going to do is check around in my reruns and play a rerun with... I think this one will be about tea. There's tea and there's tea part two. I guess we'll start with that. So here's a good episode of In the Middle of Her Lessons Discussing Tea. Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Last week we discussed tea, 
the magical and healing uh, properties of tea. Now, it was an introduction episode, and now we're going to expand. I'd like to welcome everyone to Green Magic, Green Medicine. I'm Daniel Michael, the co-creator and executive producer, president of uh, Main Street Universe Radio Network. And we'll be back in just a minute. Green Medicine and the drummer I'll pump it up you've been listening to is Mr. Tom Teasley and Tom is actually local here to Northern Virginia and sometimes one of his gigs is he's a drummer for the State Department (laughs) we won't get into that now (laughs) but uh, sounds like a pretty sweet gig traveling the world talking about hand drums and he'll be a guest in a while and I love his work and he's just such a great hand drummer but welcome everyone to Green Magic, Green Medicine. And now I'm going to bring on your hostess, Miss Susan Weed. I'm clicking your microphone now, and welcome, Susan. Green blessings. Thank you so much for welcoming me back. Absolutely. How are you this evening? I am good in ways that almost make me want to exercise the wisdom and the knowledge to keep silent. (laughs) Have you ever been in that place before where you don't want to mess it up? (laughs) Well, actually, it's one of my minor fascinations, which is the um, idea of the evil eye. Mm. And I first met up with this idea when I was living in Israel. And there were places that I would see that had uh, like blue painted doors or blue painted between the paving stones and the the cement between the stones and I asked what that was and I was told that that kept away the evil eye Mm. and this is a very pervasive belief among human beings to me you know that area you know that we call the 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 mid-east there is what we also call the cradle of civilization. And so this old, old belief somehow that if we, in its most severe form, the evil eye belief is that if we say anything good, it will draw bad. Mm. So in its most severe form, and there are cultures that practice it in this form, if somebody has a baby, you would say of the baby, what an ugly baby. (laughs) You would always denigrate and put down things 
least you call out the wrath of the gods. Because if you say, what a beautiful baby, it's like you're causing something bad to happen. And I think I get your point. And I do understand it. I'm not even sure that there is a point. I just see it as this interesting belief yeah. that we have. And my back door is painted blue. That there must be something to give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, um, when I lead meditation for the Tai Chi class, I always have us go to the wind points. And the wind points are at the hips, where the long bone of the leg inserts into the pelvis. And at the shoulder blades, kind of in that soft area, we might say like behind the shoulder blade, where your wings would sprout out if you had wings. And those wind points are said to repel evil winds. And evil winds, of course, is what brings disease and sickness. And I think um, my contribution um, to the show this evening can be that I think I found the eternal fountain of youth. And do you know what that might be? <laughs> that's why I feel a little reserved and a little strange this evening. Nettle infusion um, is what I'm I would call the fountain of youth. Is being technically unemployed <laughs> and playing your guitar for a living. So basically what I'm coming down to is I'm saying that I haven't been working, but I've been generating my own independent work as a musician and as um, also as a, my day job, an electrician, but for myself, not for the company or not for a company. So I think the fountain of youth is the the fear can be actually good in a way because it's like, oh, it's scary, but good things can be scary. I'm going to try and do, not try, but do be a musician mm-hmm. for a living and work for myself as an electrician, mm. not for somebody else. And I made the commitment, and I told the company, I said, I'm not coming back. I've made a commitment. So, Wow. Perhaps. Congratulations to you. That's, yeah. a, that's a great commitment to make, Daniel. We hear your commitment. We support you in it. It's a little scary, but yes. <laughs> it is a little scary, and that's, you know, that's that's being alive, isn't it? It truly is. I haven't felt... It really, it really is. If you're not... <clears throat> you know, we say, you know, to the apprentices, if you if you don't wake up feeling a little scared, we're not doing our work here. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right, we should be bringing you to the edge. And isn't that the way we would really like to live our lives? One of my uh, mentors... Um, and I say that with a slight hesitation. We only spent a weekend together, but we felt so connected... And we didn't even speak each other's language. As a matter of fact, um, <laughs> she had to speak to someone who spoke to someone else who translated it to English. And yet I felt as though I was sitting there talking to her. But the most important thing that she said to me was, life is a glacial lake, and life is a volcano. And if you don't jump into the lake and jump into the volcano, You'll be a lukewarm drink. Wow. 
I like that. Yeah, huh? That's exactly where I've been. And, of course, we'll get to the show quickly, folks, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> I've had a major revelation just within the last week, and I literally just – I'm trying to say it quietly because uh, yeah. just um, and, my day job – I quit Good to have it be witnessed by people. Yes, I guess I had to tell somebody. Right, we're know. witnessing your commitment. And we know that in any time we want to change behavior, that if we make it public, if others witness our commitment, we're far more likely to do it. Of course. It's, it's as though they both support us and... We fear to fail in their eyes more than we fear fear to fail in our own eyes. Mm-hmm. But so, so I well, and I just feel deep gratitude that you chose this moment at this time to share that with me and to share that with the listeners. And, and I don't I think, think any of them are sitting there going, "When are they going to get to tea?" I think they're enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> And I thank you for saying it like that, because we're so blessed to have you on the network. And in fact, I ran into somebody at the local New Age shop today, where, and uh, which is a six and stones down the street from here. It's in walking distance, which I like. And, uh, and she's like, "Oh, I have, yeah, I, I I know who she is. I have a couple of her books. You have her on our network." And she kind of took me a little bit seriously after I mentioned. <laughs> I'm not. I'm saying that, and I don't mean it quite like that. You know what I mean? She did step up a little bit. Well, I feel, I feel very flattered that I could give you credibility. I mean, my goodness, I never even graduated high school. How wonderful <laughs> for me to be giving other people credibility. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me some street cred. <laughs> exactly. In a new age sense. <laughs> right. I always say I never graduated high school. I never graduated college. <clears throat> In fact, no man has ever said that I am qualified to do what I do. Mm. Which it, which I find a very, very interesting thing. And, you know, it, it's also, um, we're going to be dealing with some fairly big words tonight. Because we're going to get into what's going on with tea. And, you know, last time, um, and the shows are archived, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. I don't erase yes. any of so them. Somebody, so if somebody's listening to this one and we're going last show, you can go and you can hear the last show. And I just love that you told that story about Kuan Yin. That was really beautiful. Yes, to help about save a sacred Yen temple, tea. she introduced tea uh, in, yes. in um, the goddess of compassion. <clears throat> goddess of compassion, yeah. So <clears throat> I think kind of where we left off is we were talking about like different kinds of tea. And basically, the way that we get different kinds of tea is that we're talking about the same plant. Like whether it's oolong tea or white tea or green tea or tea, you know, picked at the full moon or on a special hillside. It's all Camellia sinensis. But that what we do with those tea leaves after we pick them has a lot to do with the kind of tea then that we wind up drinking. And tea contains a large number of bioactive chemicals. This is one of the reasons that we're talking about it. Ketchitins, theanine, caffeine, polyphenols, flavonoids, 
amino acids, vitamins, polysaccharides, tannin, theobromine, and throcilline. As I said, some big words tonight. So let's see what some of these things are. The one that you're going to hear the most, if you're starting to read or listen to people talk about tea, is the first one, the catechins. And they're a type of antioxidant. They do a lot of different things, and they can comprise up to 30% of the dry weight of the tea. They're highest in white teas and green teas. And black teas are black, as you recall, because they are oxidated. And that means that those ketchetins have been oxidized out. In fact, the tea phytochemicals undergo a lot of different reactions during storage as the leaves interact with the ambient oxygen and moisture and respond to fluctuations in light and temperature. In fact, some of the finest teas in the world are vacuum-sealed into airtight, light-tight pouches so that as little as possible of this happens. The most abundant cachetin in green tea, which is called epigallocachetin gallate, isn't that a lovely name? Epigallocachetin gallate has been shown to decrease by a third during six months of storage in home-like conditions. And the second most abundant cachetin in tea decreased by 51%. Now, some of the teas from China are purposely aged because they say, oh, it's kind of like wine. And it it gets better with storage. Actually, what's happening is very interesting is that the the same chemicals that we're talking about are actually degrading and oxidizing. And the catechins are kind of changing and forming into new phytochemicals. So it's almost like a very slow motion fermentation that's happening. And that's in the puer teas. All right. Remember that those, those puer teas were a certain kind of tea that uh, that we created by the method that we uh, dried it and and fermented it. So that's like that fermentation goes on very slow while it's stored, and the taste changes and it becomes what most people call a really kind of earthy taste. And it's actually been studied and found to have a lot of probiotic bacteria in it. So I was really surprised to uh, find that kind of thing going on. And again, to kind of broaden my mind about the catchetins, because you hear the word catchetin and you think, oh, it's just one thing. But wow, no. Um, In fact, it's a variety of different catechins, and I also thought this was really, really interesting. They fit into the cannabinoid receptors in the brain. 
So we have receptors in our brain for cannabis, and we have receptors in our brain for heroin, because our bodies make compounds that are very similar, if right. not identical. Like the dream state, sorts of other things, right? Yes, exactly. So we so we're already supplied, and these particular chemicals, the catechins, the phytochemicals, fit into those receptors. So what do we know about when those receptors get something? We know that it quells nausea. This is one of the great uses for cannabis is to make us less nauseated. And I was fascinated to think, oh, yes, certainly I can really imagine black tea doing that. And think of the number of, like, pregnant women and, like, all they can keep down is a sip of black tea. So what, you know, what a kind of intuitive way for us to begin to move into, ah, tea is not just a pleasant beverage and not just going to make us healthy, but it actually is used as an herbal medicine as well. When we fill up those cannabinoid receptors, we also suppress pain, and we tend to have a kind of overall anti-anxiety and calming effect. And people who perhaps have tried marijuana and felt very anxious and very paranoid may be surprised to hear me say that. But what I usually say to people if they experience that is, yes, you know, you may be anxious, you may be paranoid. And what's happening as the receptor sites are being filled by cannabis is that you're you know, inner kind of ease is coming out, and so you're actually being able to notice where you're anxious and where you're paranoid. And with repeated use of tea, you can actually use that as a way to help you relieve that anxiety and any paranoia that we have. Catchetins, remember, are neuroprotective and that means that they protect everything in the nervous system. They don't just make you calm because they're filling up this particular cannabinoid receptor site. They make you calm, the catechins do, because they're actually nourishing and protecting the entire nervous system from what many people call the assault of modern life, the nervous system is um, not designed to live with light um, 24 hours a day the way we're asking it to do. It's not designed to live with um, constant sound the way we're asking it to do. So the the nervous system really appreciates the neuroprotective effects of the catechins in tea. The um, U.S. Department of Agriculture looked at the overall levels of antioxidants in both green tea and black tea, and they actually found that there was very little difference. It is certainly true that um, green tea does have a higher number than black tea, but it's that much higher. The number for oxygen radical absorption capacity, which uh, most of us call uh, how well it does it deal with antioxidants, for green tea is 1253, 1253, and for black 
T is one one two eight one thousand one hundred and twenty eight. So just a little more than a ten percent difference there. So if you like black tea and you don't particularly like green tea, don't feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. In terms of their antioxidant value, they are exceedingly similar. Mm-hmm. Antioxidant content, which is usually measured by the lag time for oxidation of cholesterol, is improved by cold water steeping of your tea. Now, that was an entirely new one on me. The idea mm-hmm. that you could get more of the antioxidant value out of the tea by putting it first in cold water and then bringing the tea and the water up to boil together. You have to stand there and make sure it doesn't actually boil. But um, it kind of seems to go against all the ways that people usually make tea. Right, right. All right. Yeah, right? It's like you have to have the tea over here and the water over here. Yeah. Yeah, but... um, but the cold water steeping brings out more of those catechins and makes them more available to our bodies. So the other phytochemical, phyto compound in tea that you might hear about is cyanine. And cyanine um, is kind of the, it's sometimes called the opposite of caffeine. Whereas caffeine kind of gets you up, cyanine gets you down. And not like it causes you to be depressed, but it. we think of people who drink too much coffee as being really kind of like wired up and jittery, but we don't think of people who drink too much tea right. as being that way. We think of drinking coffee as a way to get going. We think of drinking tea as a way to calm down. And yet we know that both coffee and tea contain caffeine, which does have a powerful stimulating effect on attention and on the brain. But tea also has theanine in it. And it is associated, and I want to check this out more because I'm not really sure how it's associated with the alpha wave meditation state. In other words, when we're meditating, we want to have our brain waves at a certain frequency, which is called alpha. It's a a slower frequency. And drinking tea triggers the same kind of alpha waves in the brain. Hmm. And that is primarily from the theanine. So the tea drinker is more calm while being as alert and as focused as the coffee drinker. Which, in a way, is like meditation itself. Awakeness and absolute paying attention of reality, but in a calm state, perhaps. Yes. Yes, so it's no wonder that tea then has given rise to ceremonies and ceremonies that vary quite a lot 
from what goes on with brewing coffee. And we we talked about, um, in our very first chat together, we talked about working with power plants by first recognizing our own power and then recognizing the power of a plant and then creating a ritual or a ceremonial way to engage with that plant. Mm. And I think, you know, of being in Japan and the tea ceremony there in Japan. And even most of the time when I had tea, which certainly wasn't a tea ceremony every time, nonetheless, a still, calm, I might call it the inner smile of the heart, accompanied the making of the tea and the giving of the tea and the sipping of the tea. Hmm. And and it was time to stop and pay attention to the tea. Right. I really liked that, and I've never been around coffee drinkers who stop and pay attention to the coffee. They might, at the first sip or the first smell, say, oh, that's heavenly, oh, that's wonderful. But then it's like things just kind of keep going on, and the coffee somehow goes goes along with it. Slightly more aggressive, perhaps. Yeah, well, and and, I'm, and I think that this has to do with the power of the plant. That when we're choosing the power plant that we're going to be working with, and we tend to choose specific power plants and work with them for much, if not all, of our lives, um, that we want to ask ourselves, what is it that I need? And then also we have this opportunity. We say, well, gosh, if I want to really change my life, one of the easiest ways to do that is to change my daily beverage. Because these things have a very profound effect on us. So I seem to meet a lot of people who during during their 20s and 30s, wanted very much to lead a kind of driven, coffee-driven, we might even say, life. Right. And wanted to, you know, to be driven in that way. But as they're moving into their, their 40s, it's suddenly like, whoa, wait a second, let's, is there some other way that I could be besides just on, on, on all the time? Yeah. And um, I wonder what an American tea ceremony would be like. We have like the English tea ceremony with the tea cards and the crumpets and it's so wonderful. Right, and the tea ceremony in Japan. What would an American tea ceremony be like? Um, Caffeine is only about 3% of the tea's dry weight. And that's between 30 and 90 milligrams per 8 ounce cup of tea, and you would say, whoa, between 30 and 90. Well, that depends on what kind of tea you have, how you brew oh, it, you didn't do all, all that, that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Um, I, I found a couple of places where they were very concerned about tea containing both fluoride and aluminum. Mm. And it turns out that tea is really a great bioremedial plant. Now, that doesn't think it's necessarily really good for us. Bioremedial plants, like, seek out 
um, heavy metals and radioactivity and other things in the soil that are not good for living creatures and concentrated into themselves. So when we say that the tea plant, Camilla sinensis, it does bioremediation, that means, ooh, you know, although we've been joking a little bit about oh, tea from this special hillside or tea harvested by these special people, it turns out that tea really is that sensitive and that it, how it affects us is definitely going to be affected by where that tea is growing. Mm. So, wow. Right? So, you know, how can, how can you know, just the buyer of tea, ooh, know what's happening? Well, fortunately, there's a rumor about fluoride and aluminum was found to occur only in really, really old teas. In other words, none of the newer tea samples seem to have it. Some of the older tea samples did, so we're hoping that ecologically, overall, things have it improved. Gosh, I think we should probably um, go on to yet another week about tea because I still have, I haven't really even oh. talked about how tea is used medicinally. And 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 and, and, and like, look at what time it is! My gosh. I know. I've extended it to the point to that if we go over a little bit, we won't just be cut off. Um, okay. Go from that, we, <laughs> no, we, I, 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 I allowed some slack, so it's basically that's good. I think we could easily do another show on the health benefits of tea, partly because I'm really enjoying talking about tea. In, in, uh, I'm not hearing anybody complain out there, so if you're not enjoying it, complain, and we'll do something else. Uh, but, of course, chocolate is always worth waiting for. So we'll do one more in tea before we get to chocolate. That's right. Keep them waiting. Okay. And waiting and waiting. waiting. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And for me, one of my regiments is, before I let you go here, and I'm yeah. so blessed and so glad that you're a part of the Main Street Universe Network. I'm so uh, grateful that you are. And um, I do a regiment of ginger tea where I make it myself and I pound I pound the ginger you know I uh, an islander uh, you know from the Caribbean told me to do that instead of just don't let it just steep there pound it be harsh pound it and and then boil it boil it don't just steep it boil it with it and uh, mm. I think that's one of the most and things I ever drink is when I pound and boil the the ginger uh, ginger tea. Right. And then is there black tea in with that? No, it's just ginger tea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But then I, yeah. I also drink black tea uh, during the day. My favorite is Earl Grey. <laughs> uh, Earl Grey is so lovely. It's yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a combination. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all. And come and visit me at SusanWeed dot com and at wisewomanmentor.com. dot com. I do an easing. Oh, we say every week, but I usually actually do it more like every ten days. Um, with lots of fun things, we have been finding such exciting mushrooms out in the woods here this week, and we've got lots of mushroom pictures for you in the next easing. So come by and visit uh, wisewomanmentor.com, susanweed.com, and all of uh, my wonderful books are at the wisewomanbookshop.com. Thank you so much, Daniel Michael, for uh, having this space. 
All right, and thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure, and I hope it continues to be, you know, a great relationship far into the future. And I'm going to go ahead and close out here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.